What is up everyone? It's Quinn here and in today's video I'm going to be going through my week two tight end start sets. So going through every single week two matchup, talk about every single fantasy relevant tight end and listing them as either a start, fringe option, or a sit. Starts are players that you feel pretty confident throwing into your lineup. Obviously the tight end position is a mess. Really rough this week. You know, we had some of the top dogs injured and then we had a lot of underperforming players. So, you know, start can be used kind of loosely here. You probably don't feel as confident starting some of these guys as you would for the starts and like the wide receiver or the running back videos. Uh, fringe options, these are players where it's like you can throw them into your lineup. It probably means you punted the tight end position. There are going to be a lot of fringe options because despite the tight end position not really paying off for fantasy, there were a lot of players who had really interesting usage in week one who I think, you know, could end up emerging as really strong tight end plays throughout the season. If you guys enjoyed the video, hit that like button, subscribe if you are not already. Um, and then if you have any fantasy questions, drop those down below. Just give me the uh, scoring setting of whatever league you're playing in. But let's jump right into it. Starting off with the Thursday night matchup, we have the Vikings taking on the Eagles. For TJ Hawkinson, the volume was solid in week one. Didn't necessarily translate to solid fantasy production, but still someone who I'm firing up as a high-end tight end one. For Dallas Goddard, he completely flopped in week one. It wasn't a usage issue, which I guess is positive. His routes were still solid. I just think you're going to get a few of these games with Dallas Goddard. Like if you drafted Goddard expecting that he would be like this ultra consistent, high volume tight end, you probably made the wrong pick. You know, he's the third weapon on an offense that's not overly pass heavy. He's on a strong offense, which can give him some touchdown upside. But I think he's just more of a weekly back end tight end one. So I think he's someone you start. He's better than a lot of other options out there, but he's definitely not someone that you should be like expecting elite production from week after week. But obviously you're expecting more than like, you know, than nothing he gave you um, in week one. Moving over to the Packers-Falcons matchup, I have uh, the Packers' Luke Musgrave listed as a fringe option. In his first game of his NFL career, had a 77% route participation. He actually led this team in routes, which is pretty impressive. Uh, targeted four times, caught three of them for 50 yards, almost got into the end zone, was like tackled, I think, on like the five. He had to like fall down to get the ball but he was completely wide open. So I think Musgrave is someone who's going to become more and more interesting throughout the season. But I think as early as here in week two, he is someone who technically could be thrown into your lineup. You probably don't feel great about it, but I do think he is startable. And then for the Falcons, I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts as a start here. And I can already feel people not liking this listing here. I know people really, you know, aren't huge fans of Kyle Pitts. They probably think he should be a fringe option or even a sit. But just hear me out here with my argument on Kyle Pitts. Obviously, it's a weak position, which kind of factors in here. But last season for Kyle Pitts, he completely flopped. He was very disappointing. And he had a few key problems that kind of led to that. The first one was that his quarterback play was terrible. Marcus Mariota was definitely not it. And he was bad in general, but he was especially bad when targeting Kyle Pitts. So that definitely held him back. The overall passing volume was really poor last year for the Falcons. They were super run heavy. And then also his route participation wasn't that great. It's not like the pass attempts were super low and he was, you know, in on pretty much every route. He was in on like three quarters of the routes, which is fine, but not in a low volume passing attack. So now shift over to 2023. The quarterback question is still up in the air, but I don't think it can get worse than Marcus Mariota. Desmond Ritter seemed fine. Um, here in week one, obviously he didn't throw it a ton. The passing volume is still going to be a concern. Um, 
like we just got to accept that they're going to be a low volume passing attack, but it's not going to be like 18 pass attempts every single week. That's just impossible. They're probably going to be somewhere between like the 25 to 30 pass attempt per game number when we're looking back at it. So that's something we're just going to have to deal with here. But I think what was really positive for Kyle Pitts was that his route participation was really strong. He had a 91% route participation. He ran 20 routes on 22 dropbacks. That is great usage at the tight end position. And then I just think when we're looking at these tight ends who, you know, are not locked in to be like the top four or five tight ends, the talent and big playability of Kyle Pitts, I think just elevates him above a lot of the other players in like the fringe tier. Like a lot of these guys in the fringe tier, you're hoping they go like four for 40 and score a touchdown. Kyle Pitts has elite upside week to week. Obviously the volume is not going to be there consistently, but I still think he's someone who's like regarded as like a back end start. Um, and I just think we need to see a game with high volume because then I think we'll start to see people really come around on uh, Drake London and Kyle Pitts and not even like high volume, like 40 pass attempts. I'm talking like 30 pass attempts, which is not crazy for an NFL team. Want to see one of those games. And then I think these guys can kind of start impressing from this Falcons, uh, I guess, target room. In the next matchup, we have the Raiders taking on the Bills. The Raiders are pretty much rolling out a tight end committee here with Austin Hooper and Michael Mayer, completely uninterested in both of those guys. For the Bills, I think the usage was pretty promising. Honestly, for both Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox, um, Kincaid had a 76% route participation in week one. Dawson Knox ran just one more route than him. So they were on the field together a ton. I mean, you know, pretty much three quarters of the game. And from week one, like that is a very strong starting point for Dalton Kincaid to have. I'd like to see him used a little bit more down the field. You know, he was used uh, kind of a low dot option. I do think he has the ability to stretch the field, especially at his size. Um, he is that kind of athlete, especially when he's playing out wide. But worst case scenario, he's going to be a guy who has touchdown upside in, you know, one of the better offenses in the NFL. And I think he's just going to continue to build throughout the season. Not saying like his route participation is going to get much higher, but I think this is a very solid number to start off on. And I think he will be a solid option moving forward. And the next game, we have the Ravens taking on the Bengals. I'd be expecting Mark Andrews to make his uh, season debut here in week two. If he's playing, you're obviously firing up as a start. Um, Isaiah Likely, you know, he's someone I actually threw into at least one of my lineups last week. Um, you know, with Mark Andrews being out, he completely flopped. Um, it happens. If Andrews misses again, we'll just kind of have to reevaluate and see what that looks like. For the Bengals, I have Irv Smith listed as a fringe option. You know, none of these Bengals really got to show out just with how little passing volume there was, or at least passing yardage. Only 82 passing yards for Joe Burrow. But Irv Smith was targeted five times, caught three of them for 17 yards. He had a 71% route participation, which is solid, but he's probably just going to be one of these guys who has week-to-week -week touchdown upside on a top offense and is running a decent number of routes. So it'll be interesting to see if that kind of sticks heading into uh, week two, but I do think he'll be a fringe play at the tight end position. In the next game, we have the Seahawks taking on the Lions. Seahawks are running a tight end by committee. It's unfortunate because I feel like Noah Fant does have some talent as a player, but he is definitely going to be a sit. And then for the Lions, I have Sam Laporta listed as a fringe option. He had five receptions for 39 yards, 72% route participation in his first NFL game, 17.2% target share. That's all pretty solid for his NFL debut, like I mentioned. So I think Sam Laporta is definitely someone to keep an eye on and is probably week to week like a high-end tight end too, at least at this point. 
Uh, moving over to the Colts-Texans matchup. For the Colts, Kylan Granson actually had a pretty solid game, but he's not someone I want to rely on week to week. They're going to filter in these tight ends. Um, got Jelani Woods on IR. He would be the guy I'd probably be most interested in, but at this point, just fading that tight end room. And then for the Texans here, I know a lot of people really liked Dalton Schultz as like a late round tight end, and he didn't really do a ton in week one. I have him listed as a fringe option. He had a very, very strong route participation. He had a 91% route participation. He was only able to command four targets, which was like a 9% target share. So that was poor. But if you're running that high percentage of routes, you're going to become somewhat relevant, especially at the tight end position. Even if it's like a high-end tight end two, I definitely think he kind of belongs in that area. Now we've got the uh, Chiefs taking on the Jaguars. Just like how Mark Andrews missed week one, same thing with Travis Kelsey. I'd be expecting him to return here in week two. And if Travis Kelsey's playing, he's obviously going to be a start in your lineup. And then for the Jaguars, Evan Ingram, really solid usage. Um, nice week one performance. You know, if a tight end can get you around the 10 point per game number, PPR point per game number without getting to the end zone, I feel like that's an overall pretty solid day. That's what Ingram did. So I like him as a start in this matchup. Then we have the Bears taking on the Buccaneers and looking at Cole Komet, he played a very significant role in this offense, had a 94% route participation, targeted seven times, five receptions for 44 yards. So overall, a strong week one. We're going to need to see this Bears offense kind of get it together before I can list them as a start. But if they start to click and Cole Komet keeps this usage, he is someone who will probably be someone you feel confident starting in the future if they can get it together. On the other side with the Bucks just not really interested in what they have here. So going to be sitting Cade Otten. Moving over to the Chargers-Titans matchup, Gerald Everett was someone who was potentially like, you know, you could slide him in during bye weeks or if you punted the position. It doesn't seem like that is going to be the case this year. Um, they've kind of gone to a tight end by committee with Gerald Everett and Donald Parham Jr. So both those dudes are going to be sits for me. On the other side with Chigo Conquo, despite having zero receptions in week one, I do have him listed as a fringe option. His usage was pretty encouraging. Um, in 2022, Oconquo didn't get over a 50% route participation. He was crazy efficient on his opportunities. His target rate was great. Yards per reception, um, you know, yards per route run. All of those metrics were super strong. He just wasn't getting on the field a ton. That route participation went all the way up to 75% in week one. So that type of usage, if he can blend it with the efficiency he saw last year, definitely someone to kind of look out for. Uh, moving over to the Giants-Cardinals matchup, I'm very high on Darren Waller. He was operating as like their leading pass catcher in week one, even though it was just an overall terrible game from that offense. Not overly concerned moving forward. I think he will be their number one target. And I think he is a very strong start here in week two. On the other side with the Cardinals, Zach Ertz had great usage coming off of his, uh, I think it was an ACL tear, 91% route participation. He led the team with nine targets, six receptions for 21 yards. Obviously, if you have nine targets and that turns into six for 21, you're probably not feeling great about it, but it's kind of what's just going to happen here on this Cardinals offense and Zach Ertz kind of later on in his career. So if he had that usage on a better offense, he'd probably be listed as a start, but the Cardinals really just kind of limit these guys' uh, ceilings, so he will be a fringe option. In the next game, we have the 49ers taking on the Rams. 
George Kittle didn't do anything crazy in week one, but that's kind of comes with the territory. You have a lot of mouths to feed. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, CMC. George Kittle is going to have a few boom games. Wasn't super high on him coming into the season, but I still think he's someone who's a weekly start. Like if you drafted him, you spent that premium capital, you got to have him in the lineup because you can't miss out on those uh, boom opportunities. On the other side with the Rams, Tyler Higby had a pretty quiet week one in terms of his targets, only drew three of them, but he had an 85% raw participation. I wouldn't be surprised if he was more involved here in week two. Uh, Switching over to the Jets-Cowboys matchup, I have both of these uh, guys listed as sits here. Tyler Conklin, really, I mean, without Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson is the only pass catcher we have uh, any sort of trust in moving forward. So Conklin's definitely a sit. Jake Ferguson was someone who I was pretty interested in kind of seeing what his role was heading into week one. He commanded seven targets, which was very impressive, but he only had a 54% route participation. And it's not like he made the most of those seven targets. Seemed like him and Dak were a little bit out of sync. Um, If that route participation grows, he becomes interesting, but I can't rationalize starting a tight end who's, you know, pretty much only running routes on like half of the dropbacks. Next up is going to be the Commanders taking on the Broncos. And for the Commanders, I have Logan Thomas as a fringe option. Seems like he always just makes himself somewhat relevant at the tight end position. You never feel great starting him, but... I mean, you can kind of throw him in there. 76% route participation. He actually tied for the team lead with seven targets, 24% target share. I don't think he's going to see that type of volume week after week, but if that route participation stays the same, he is someone who's at least a little bit interesting. For the Broncos, very sad. We saw Greg Dulcich go down kind of early in the game. I thought this could have been his opportunity to break out, you know, Jerry Judy out, limited wide receiver weapons, didn't happen. Not overly interested here in Adam Troutman moving forward, so he is going to be a sit. Then we have a divisional game between the Dolphins and the Patriots. Starting off here with the Dolphins, I was not expecting to be listing Durham Smythe as a fringe option heading into week two, but that's where we're at. 80% route participation, seven targets, which was second most on the team, three receptions for 44 yards. If he's getting that type of usage on this offense, that is going to be a very valuable role moving forward, especially with how they looked in week one. So definitely something to keep your eye on. I feel like a lot of people probably aren't going to be like super hip to his usage. They might just think he kind of lucked into a few targets here or there. Definitely something to keep your eye on. On the other side with the Patriots and Hunter Henry, 72% route participation, which is solid. I don't think it's great. Like that's not going to have me lunch him into like a, you know, a clear start just because that's not elite usage, but six targets, five receptions, 56 yards and a touchdown. He was actually the highest scoring week one tight end. I obviously don't think the Patriots are going to have that crazy high passing volume, like 50 plus pass attempts per game. But I mean, Hunter Henry is clearly going to be a factor in this offense moving forward. And Mike Gusecki really didn't eat into his opportunities a ton. You'd like to see him if you wanted him to be a consistent starter, be like 80 plus percent raw participation. But you know, you kind of take what you can get at the tight end spot. Uh, moving over to the first Monday night game, we have the Saints taking on the Panthers. I have both of these guys listed as fringe plays. Kind of a quiet game from Jawan Johnson, three for 36, but he had an 84% raw participation, which is really strong. That sticks. He's definitely going to have some better games ahead. Then we have Hayden Hurst. He led the Panthers with seven targets, turned that into five for 41 and a touchdown. 64% raw participation, not ideal. Maybe he builds on that heading into week two, considering there's not a ton of great weapons on this team. He's one of the only guys that kind of found some success and some chemistry with Bryce Young. So we'll see. Hopefully he can build on it. 
But right now, you know, people may see that stat line, want to lock him into your starting lineup. I do think he's playable, but not someone who I'm like overly excited about locking in there. And then the final game of the week, another kind of a dual fringe matchup here, Browns taking on the Steelers. So for David Njoku, he had a 74% raw participation, which is fine. For him to really hit a ceiling, you would have liked to see that number be higher. I just want to see a strong Deshaun Watson passing game before I feel overly confident in Njoku. Like, I think if Deshaun Watson returns to pre-suspension form, then that 74% raw participation is fine um, and could make him very interesting for fantasy. But if Deshaun Watson is the same guy we saw last year and Njoku's in on 74% of the routes, that's not really something I'm overly excited about for fantasy. And then the final player here, Pat Fryermuth. If he was 100% healthy and we knew he'd have 100% of his role, then he'd definitely be a start for me. He had an 82% raw participation in the first half, very strong, but he suffered a uh, chest injury during that week one game and then was kind of in and out of the lineup, limited for the rest of the game. So we'll see um, how that injury kind of tracks throughout this week. But if he's healthy, good to go. I would actually consider him someone that I would rely on, especially with uh, Deontay likely missing this game. I think Fryermuth is uh, in store for a decent amount of volume. That is going to wrap it up for every single week two matchup, all 16 games, every fantasy relevant tight end. If you all have any questions, you can drop those down below. Um, hit that like button if you enjoyed the video. Uh, go check out all my other start sit videos if you haven't seen them already. Running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks are all up. So thank you all again for stopping by, and I will see you in the next one.